and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. We're back to our classics this week, which is super exciting for me, and also so much easier to research and report back on. We have had some elusive monsters over the last few weeks, so I hope you're ready for a good old Greek-packed episode on most people's favourite bull-headed man-beast. What is the Minotaur? What a question! And honestly, who doesn't know the answer to this? If you have any interest in mythology, you would usually know the answer, but even people who don't have any exposure to mythology have had exposure to this kind of beast before. The Minotaur is a Greek monster, which is usually described as a strong-bodied man wearing a loincloth with a bull's head, complete with horns and no ability to speak. He has a tail of a bull emerging from his very human body, which I think is pretty strange in and of itself. His nature is generally aggressive, and he is incredibly strong, like inhumanely strong, and can snap a man in half with his bare hands. This is how strong we're talking. He also, of course, has the bullish power to gore people with his horns, and unusually sharpened teeth to get through flesh. Unfortunately, unlike most bovine creatures, the Minotaur survives purely on human flesh, rather than the green pastures of our dairy-producing friends. A taste developed when he was a young calf, I suppose. They are technically the exact opposite of a centaur, another Grecian hybrid monster with that tall word in, with a horse's body and a human upper half, intelligent and calculating, whilst the Minotaur is much more brawl over brains, and body-wise, literally the complete opposite with the upper half of the bull and the lower of a human. Now, I keep saying he. That's because in the myths surrounding the Minotaur, there is actually only one, and he didn't get a chance to procreate before he was taken out. His name was Asterios, and he was locked in a labyrinth to contain his monstrous nature from a very early age, in Knossos, on the island of Crete, which is just off of mainland Greece. Crete is involved in all of the Greek myths, it is just a separate island. There are loads of different islands in Greece, so some myths come from different parts, but they are all included on the islands. The labyrinth was built by Daedalus, the famous Grecian architect, with basically the construction powers of a god, But not really, he was just very, very good at building things, and everyone liked him very much. He also brought in his son Icarus. You might know this name from his untimely death with his wax wings flying too close to the sun that's become a metaphor for pretty much everyone who reaches too far in life. They built this labyrinth to contain Asterios, and to make it inescapable for both him and what he needed to sustain himself which were virgin boys and girls that he would eat. Don't ask me why they had to be virgins. There's no specific reasoning. It's just a thing in Greek myth, okay? It's debated whether they were sent in for him to kill every year, every seven years, or every nine years. But we do know that the third time this event came around, 
he was killed, and we'll get more into the myth itself later on. Following his death, there have been no other reports of minotaurs or any other myths about them. They now purely exist within the fantasy genre of media, or at least so we believe. On to etymology. The word minotaur or minotaur, if you're English or American, I say minotaur, I don't know about anyone else. It's ancient Greek, which comes from the words minos, which is a name, and tauros, meaning bull. Now you might be thinking, well Erin, you mentioned centaur earlier, and you mentioned the same tauro on the end of their name. Well, I did mention this in the centaur episode itself, which I did not too long ago. It still comes from tauros, however the sen part of centaur means piercing, so their whole name means piercing bull which is actually linked to their hunting of bulls, rather than anything to do with the minotaur itself. So they do derive from the same roots, but have completely different meanings, even though they are very similar monsters. How fun, right? Minos, though. What's the deal with this name? It must be really important to be in a name for the monster, right? Absolutely right. This all has to do with the myth that creates this monster right from the mouth of ancient Greeks, who, if you didn't know, their period kind of started around 9000 BC, which was an immensely long time ago. Minos was the name of a new king of Crete, who was competing with his brothers for the throne. He prayed for a white bull to show his brothers the god's favour from the god Poseidon of the sea, to sacrifice to show his worth. But when this beautiful bull was delivered, he could not bring himself to kill it, Now, Poseidon didn't take too kindly with this, of course, the gods are very particular, and made the queen, Pasiphae, fall in love with the bull. I wish I could just stop the story there, this gets immensely disturbing, so there is a bestiality warning coming up, I'm so sorry. But the queen, absolutely in love with the bull, obviously wanted to consummate this love, and called on Daedalus to create a wooden cow that was hollow, so basically she could climb into it and have the bull mate with her as if he was making love to another cow, which is pretty gross. I'm I'm so sorry. Once the act was done, she felt pregnant against all odds and eventually gave birth to the Minotaur, a half-man, half-bull, to represent his mixed-species heritage. There are weirder things to happen within Greek myth, To be fair, if you mate with a godly animal, you're just leaving yourself up to fate. Pasiphae nursed him for as long as she could, however his appetite and aggression became way too much for her to handle. Minos, in concern, went to the oracle at Delphi and they told him to construct this mighty labyrinth to contain the beast, and so Daedalus was called on a second time to create it. It's never actually told how either Daedalus or Minos took the fact that Queen Pasiphae went off and had sex with a bull. It's very strange. There's been no mention of jealousy or anything along those lines. It is just very much accepted within this myth. And actually, it's quite strange to see a man, a king, so scorned in this within Greek myth to actually go and try and help the child of question is very, very strange. But I kind of appreciate him for it. Go Minos. Be a good stepdad. Anyway, Daedalus creates the labyrinth. Minos pops Asterios in there. 
Now, how do we get the virgin kids that he's eating? How did we get to this point? Well, this story is that there were other children born of King Minos and his wife, including Prince Androgeus. Now, he was killed by Athenians, obviously a rival city within this time, and the king decided to take vengeance for his son's death in the cruelest way possible by demanding 14 young men and women every few years as a sacrifice to the Minotaur from Athens directly. It was obviously terribly traumatising for the Athenians, and eventually the demigod hero and prince of Athens himself, Theseus, rose by the third call of blood from Crete. Before venturing into the labyrinth, Minos's daughter Ariadne fell in love with Theseus and told him to take a ball of string through the labyrinth to mark his way, and Theseus managed to kill Asterios with his bare hands. The hero later abandoned Ariadne on the way back to Athens, leaving her to the god Dionysus on Naxos Island. That's a whole other myth unto itself. When sailing back home though, Theseus mistakenly raised a black flag, which he had previously spoken to his father, the king of Athens, King Aegeus, saying that if he raised this, he had died in the labyrinth. So of course, seeing this black flag on the horizon on his son's ship, King Aegeus thought the absolute worst, and threw himself in the sea in mourning. Now, you probably know this already, but this sea is now named after him, the Aegean Sea, which is a really fun sea name fact to end this story, I suppose. But it did make Theseus king. He was then king of Athens, and he went on to live a very interesting life. But of course, we're not here about the heroes, so who cares about Theseus? Now, this story has been around since the ancient Greeks, so it's absolutely ancient in itself. However, it was made famous by the poet Ovid, who was from around 43 BC to 18 AD, so you can tell how old this is. This myth is a favourite of historians and teachers alike, and is most likely one that you'd hear at school when you're learning about the ancient Greek myths. You know what's really wild though, is that this myth actually links into another, and it's that Minos was almost cursed from the beginning of this myth to have a bullish son, as his mother was the famous Europa. Europa was considered the most beautiful woman in Europe, and the king of the gods Zeus wanted her for his own. He ended up taking the guise of a pure white bull, much like the one Minos summoned with Poseidon, and Europa ended up having three sons with Zeus, including Minos, which definitely adds to the whole bull as a name, and also presents him to have some issues with cows later in life. It does also make Minos technically a demigod, not that it's ever mentioned again and has no implications to his life, so we're just going to move on, I suppose. There are, of course, not many real-life comparisons with the Minotaur, generally due to the hybrid nature of this monster, but also due to the weird parentage of Asterios, which is pretty much concluded impossible, but also really, really gross. Poor Pasiphae is all I have to say on this one. In terms of Greek myths, though, it's pretty normal. This one is probably tied with Perseus and Medusa or the Kraken in terms of popularity, although I don't think either of these two myths, or hero myths I suppose, stand up to Heracles, which makes sense I suppose, he is the golden boy. Could this myth actually mean anything though 
in the grand scheme of things. Are there any hidden meanings here? I'm not too sure on that one. I think the biggest thing is maybe don't have sex with a bull. I think that one's pretty clear and pretty obvious, but this all stemmed from two women doing this. The only other, I suppose, is always respect the gods. If you ask for something and they give it to you with an expectation, probably do that expectation. We've seen worse punishments within Greek myths. I mean, look at Atlas, Sisyphus, Prometheus. This is nothing on them. But I still think your wife having a child with a literal bull that's a monster in itself is pretty bad. What happened to the idea of the Minotaur, though? We don't actually know why this was never picked up again within myths. It's so popular, it's weird that it's never been picked up again. However, it's so popular now that it's pretty much involved in every fantasy movie or game ever made, even though it is only mentioned within that one myth in the entirety of ancient history. So it definitely shows if you create a really cool monster, it will outlast what it's come from and shine in a few thousand years in TV shows, I suppose. Now, on to modern media. Obviously, there are quite a few here, but not as many as I actually expected. So I hope you're ready to take some notes. For art, we've got some actual portraits. Theseus and the Minotaur in the Labyrinth from 1861 by Edward Byrne Jones. Dante and Virgil meet the Minotaur by Gustave Doré, which is also from 1861. Picasso's Minotaur kneeling over sleeping girl from 1933. And from 1935, Minotaur also by Picasso. Otherwise, independent art is always a suggestion and really a recommendation. Support your local artists. In movies, we have Wrath of the Titans, The Scorpion King, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, Minotaur, The Wild Beast of Crete, Time Bandits, Immortals, Dave Made a Maze, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, Inkheart, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, The Chronicles of Narnia, Slumberland, Hercules, Gods of Egypt, Role Models, Onward, Your Highness, and Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. For TV, we have Digimon, Fairy Tale, Bleach, Full Metal Alchemist, American Horror Story, Carmen Rider, Myth Quest, Power Rangers, Ultraman Ace, Adventure Time, One Piece, Castlevania, Centaur World, DuckTales, Wishfart, Gravity Falls, Fairly Odd Parents, The Hollow, Jimmy Two Shoes, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, The Smurfs, Dan vs. Igos, Freakazoid, Gargoyles, and The Venture Bros. In video games, we have loads, obviously. Castlevania, Dark Souls, Battleborn, Age of Mythology, Dark Adventure, Blue Dragon, Elder Scrolls, Diablo, Dwarf Fortress, Fantasy Quest, Warlords Battlecry, Final Fantasy VIII, Mystic Quest, Guild Wars 2, Defense of the Ancients, Grandia, Hades, which is my favourite, Hero of Sparta, League of Legends, Might and Magic, God of War, Metopia, Oriental Legend, Heretic, Quest for Glory, Shin Megami Tensei, Total War, Fate slash Grand Order, Warcraft, World of Warcraft, Zeus, Master of Olympus, Goblin Sword and Will Rock. My book recommendation this week is Greek Myths Meet the Heroes, Gods and Monsters of Ancient Greece by Jean Menzies, because I always suggest this one. It's a fantastic book. Another one is Heroes by Stephen Fry because it's fantastic. 
it's Stephen Fry, and it does go through the hero route with these stories, but you still get to learn about these monsters and the context of their existence. And he does kind of go into the monsters a little bit, so have a look. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Like with most hybrid monsters, with this one, I'm going to say no. Why is this, do you reckon? Well, I think it's because the possibility of existing is something from a nightmare, rather than that of reality. The existence of a half-bull, half-man running around is pretty horrendous, but at least he was consigned to one specific part of the world, in one specific building. And if the legend is true, and there's only one of them, the possibility of more of them is pretty slim anyway. Also, what remains of the labyrinth is completely rubble now, so there is absolutely no chance that Asterios himself could still be alive. It's just not a thing. If you go to Knossos, you can go and see the labyrinth, or what we think the labyrinth was, and there's just nothing there. So he's definitely not still living it up in that little palace. If we are to believe it, I think it's a good shout to think that there was just the one, and it died a very, very, very long time ago after eating many a virgin Athenian. What I do love is that the Minotaur has survived from this one mention, basically a shout-out, and is now considered one of the main fantasy races. And I'm so glad people can still identify this monster, even if they've not heard of the story of Asterios. It still fills me with absolute joy that mythology spreads this way, and it's such a good story, it's such a good monster, I fully encourage everyone to talk about the myth of Asterios and Theseus. It's such a good one. But what do you think? Did the Minotaur roam the earth once upon a time? Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what you think. A fantastic Greek monster as always, and one that's such a legend that it's a pleasure to cover. And it's a nice contrast to these more elusive monsters we've covered over the last few weeks. I have really enjoyed talking about one that's just so beloved and so recognisable. It's just a joy. But next week, we are heading over to Africa, and we are more specifically heading over to Tanzania for the horrifying Popabawa. Keep your noses sharp for this midnight poltergeist next Thursday. It is quite a scary one. Not scary in the sense of scary, but I will warn you there will be graphic mentions of sexual assault and sexual themes throughout so it's probably more of an 18 plus one. If you want to skip it, I won't be offended. Don't worry. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me A Coffee and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, sheds with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes. Bye.